This table is actually a table that Richie and I bought over 20 years ago. And when I think about that, I think, man, that sounds like a long time ago. I don't even feel like I am, like, more than like, okay, well. Inside my heart, I still feel 20. <laughs> okay, but over 20 years ago, Richie and I bought this table, and we bought this table at Haverty's, and this table is solid. So anybody that's helped us move this knows these chairs are really heavy duty. And they're awesome because you know they're going to last a long time. And I was thinking about what has happened at this table. And honestly, I could maybe get a little bit emotional about it because a lot of memories have been made at this table. We've had a lot of family dinners at this table. We've had games at this table. We've had fights at this table. We've had fits thrown at this table. Kids who didn't want to eat their spinach, like Richie talked about last week. Um, We've had special guests at our table. We've had friends and family. We've had counseling sessions at this table. We've had um, lots of laughter and fun at this table. Life and memory have been made, birthday dinners at this table. We've had lots of things happen sitting around the dinner table and around this table in particular. And we've decorated sugar cookies at this table when the kids were little at Christmas time and made a mess. And I folded laundry on this table. This table has had lots of uses. It's had lots of things seen and done at this table. And one, one thing I was thinking about, I was trying to think of some funny stories. And um, one thing I was remembering is we had some friends in town. You guys know John James, but when we first had John James and it was David Evans and their creative team from Australia, they all came over from Australia and we didn't know them like we, you know, like we know John now, but they came over. We had Ma Brown tacos at the house. We had lots of Ma Brown tacos at that table. Um, we, we had Ma Brown tacos that night. I'd cooked for everybody and the kids were little. Um, I think Christian was around six years old or whatever. And they were like, okay, we're, we're checked out. We're done with dinner. Can we go play video games? So I was like, yeah, y'all go play video games. Go have some fun. I don't even know how long it was later. And Christian comes like literally walking out. He has nothing but his underwear on. And I'm like, I'm mortified because at this point, I don't really know these people that well, and I'm really embarrassed that I have all these guests, and my son is, like, running around the house in just his undies, you know? And if you know our family very well, you know we've always had to tell Christian, put a shirt on. Get a shirt on, Christian, because he always, he's always, in fact, when he was really little, and we used to take him to Mother's Day out, um, I would go to pick him up, and he never had anything but his diaper on, and I was always so embarrassed. They could not keep his clothes on him. And so I was like, I am so sorry. I promise I put his clothes on him every day. But he did not have, he did not like wearing clothes at that time. And so a lot of other crazy things have happened at the table, not particularly at this table, but I was thinking about how when little Richie was really young, I think it was about two or so, when we were just getting to know Mark and Becky, and we were at Chili's having some dinner, and we used to have, like, uh, chips and hot sauce and ranch dressing, and, and Chris, uh, Richie started eating some of the ranch dressing, and it was, and then all of a sudden, man, it all came right back up, all on Mark and Becky. And so lots of memories happen sitting around the table, right? And the table is where the bread of life is being shared. And that's what my job is today is not just my job, but it's, it's my, uh, it's actually, I feel like it's a privilege to get to share the bread of life with you this morning. 
And today I want to talk about something that we haven't really discussed, and I think it's really important because I want to talk to you about how there is room for you at the table. There's room for you at the table. And I want you to really hear this because you belong here. You belong, and you need to know that you have a place, and that you belong, and it's the love of Jesus that we all share together that brings us together as a family. And just like we all had Thanksgiving this past week, and um, if your dinner was anything like ours, um, the table was set, and there was a place for everyone at the dinner table. And um, I was thinking about what happens when you, you go somewhere, and you're invited to a place, and... Everybody has a seat but you. Has that ever happened to you? And you kind of feel awkward. It can make you feel like you're, you know, unwanted. Did you forget about me? Um, But if you're a good host, you quickly realize that and you make room for the person at the table as quickly as you can and as discreetly as you can because you want to make sure that that person feels like they have a place at the table. And so one of the things we have in our family we have a, a plate called the Your Special Plate. And this plate is used on a birthdays. So when it's your birthday, which it's my husband's birthday today, so today at lunch. <laughs> hey, he let me have the microphone on his birthday. He didn't want me to say anything about his birthday, but I'm sorry, babe. I love you. Um, um, the Your Special Plate really is... We get it out every time somebody comes over and we're having a birthday dinner because we want you to know you're special, that you have value, and that you, God bringing you into this world means something to us. And so I was thinking about that in the kingdom of God and how that works out in our lives. Because when we know, when God already has like this special plate and it has your name written on it, and it's already in heaven. And before you ever receive Christ, it's like he's got this plate and he's got this beautiful name written all over it. It says that you are special, that you have a great design and a plan that he has just for you. But when you, re- you don't really realize that you're special or that you have this plate until you receive him into your life. When you receive him into your life, you come and you are given a place at the table. And you are seated in heavenly places with him at the table and you have a great place at the table and it's because you belong to the most high God um do you remember as a kid and Richie kind of hit on this last week and I had already put my message together and he kind of like you know went that way too but um you graduated from the big table to the big table and then somebody gets invited to you to dinner and you get bumped back down to the kids table Like, you're excited that the person's come, but you're not excited enough to give up your seat. You don't really, you don't really want them to take your place, right? Because you know you got to go back down to the kids' table. But do you know what? When you come to the king's table, you always have a seat. There's always a special plate for you. And what's the big deal about knowing that there's a place at the table for you? I think when you know that you have a place at the table, you have a sense of belonging, acceptance, and of finding your purpose. You discover you're valuable and that your life really does matter. Your life has significance in the lives of those that you're surrounded by at the table. When I sit at the table, I know I'm sitting by my friends. I'm sitting by my family. I'm sitting by people who I know I love and they love me back. 
That's what the table, the table is warm, fuzzy feelings. I love my family. I want to be with my family. I want to be surrounded by my family. And my life, I know, has significance in their life, and their life has significance in my life. Those are the people I want at my table. Here at Amarillo Fellowship, we want you to find your place at the table. And you may say that's easy for you because you're like the pastor, you, you know, started the church with your husband, and I get that. But let me tell you, we all struggle from time to time finding our place. And even as life changes, then we still sometimes struggle with finding our place. And the difference is, is we have to make a choice to take our seat at the table. Because we're all going to struggle with insecurities. I do. Everybody struggles with insecurities. I can feel inadequate just as much as anybody else. I can feel like I don't belong just as much as anybody else. I have to fight that battle in my mind and say, no, I belong here. I know that I belong here, and I know I have a place at this table. I've listed a few reasons why some people don't find their place at the table. And um, I think many people feel like they don't belong anywhere. You can walk into a a full room and still feel like you don't belong and feel lonely. Anybody ever been there? I want to talk about some reasons why that happens. And I have have three reasons why, but I don't think it's necessarily an exhaustive list. I think these are just some reasons why people have a hard time really um, finding their place and, and feeling like they belong. First reason that you don't feel like you belong is because you don't really think there is a place for you. Anybody felt like that before? Is there really room for me? I I was thinking about this in just watching the team this morning. You know, you may be a musician or a vocalist or whatever, and you may come in and see everybody doing their thing, and you go, you know what? Nobody needs me. They've got this all under control. They're all, they have it all under control. In fact, they're way better than I could ever be. You know, have you ever felt that way? Not knowing that you taking your place might be the very thing that's needed on the team. If you were just willing to put yourself out there and go, you know what, here I am. And it's the same thing like, you know, you might say, well, man, there's plenty of cameramen and greeters and ushers or work kids working in the uh, kids area. You have no idea what it would mean if you took your place at the table and did what it is that you're called to do. Um. I'm also reminded of a story in the Old Testament. Um, king Saul and his, son, and his son Jonathan, who died in battle. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had a son named Jonathan. And um, Jonathan died, and Saul died in battle. Um, and David became the king. He was God's anointed king because Saul had really turned his back on God. And um, through that process, King Saul really pursued um, He pursued David for years and tried to kill him because he he was jealous of that anointing. But David and Jonathan, which Jonathan is Saul's son, so um, David and Jonathan had such a great friendship, and they had a covenant with each other that no matter what happened, they were always going to be there for each other. And um, they were actually blood brothers. They had a blood covenant with each other to take care of each other. And in 2 Samuel... um, Chapter 9, starting in verse 1, I want to read this story to you guys so you can read it along um, on the screen with me. It said, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. 
The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show the kindness, God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Makar, son of Amel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Amel, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to David, He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, Do not be afraid. David said to him, For I will surely show kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore you, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth, what you have to know, I have to, I have practiced this name. You have no how I practiced this saying that name a lot because I kept saying it completely wrong. And so I was going to say, y'all have to say this three times, Mephibosheth. But I actually finally got it. Mephibosheth bowed down low, bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul, Saul steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your father, master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So back in those days, it would be custom for um, a king that um, would, after Saul died, he would actually kill everybody in the family because he, they didn't want somebody in the family lineage to come up and try to um, take over, or try to bring a coup or however that works. I don't even know for sure what to say there, but it's just tried to take over. So they would normally kill everybody, but David wasn't like that. He made room for Jonathan's son at the table. And Mephibosheth didn't really feel worthy of the king's kindness. Can you imagine that? Or that he belonged or that he even deserved a seat at the king's table. But I really want you to hear this. When the king says that you belong and that you have a seat at the king's table, then you have a seat at the king's table. The second reason you don't feel like you belong is you don't really feel like you bring value to the table. Do you think that Mephibosheth felt like he had anything to bring to the table? He's lame in both feet. He has nothing. He would literally be like a beggar in those days because he had nothing to bring to the table. He's lame in both feet and the king is the one making all the provisions for him. What can he even do for the king? You might be asking, well, what do I even have to bring to the table that has any value? You may have had people tell you in your life that you're not valuable, but you have to silence that voice, that voice of the enemy, because your life has value and you matter. You matter. You have something to bring to the table. You really do. Know that the king cares for you and that all you have to bring is you and God will do the rest. You don't have to strive to make things happen. You just have to be who God created you to be. 
thirdly, you don't have to feel like, you don't feel like you belong because you're fearful of being rejected by others. Hallelujah. Don't we know that's so true? We all have that fear of rejection, I think, sometimes, and we have to just silence that voice. But this is an area that we all struggle with because of past hurts. And I see that we build up walls a lot of times um, so high to protect us from our, uh, protect us. And then what happens is we wind up building a wall completely around us and we are isolated and completely alone. And we weren't made to live life alone. We were made to live life together. So we have to make a choice to open up our hearts and give grace to others when they hurt us. You understand that everybody, even that's in this room today, that we all are going to make mistakes. That we're all going to say things that we don't mean. We're all going to do things that we didn't mean to do. We might accidentally, you know, not say hello to somebody or whatever it is. But let me tell you, we have to give grace. Some of my greatest friendships are people that we've also had some of our greatest conflicts. It's okay. You don't always have to just get 100% along. It's okay. In fact, it actually drives draws you closer to the friend when you work through something instead of running from something. We're in a generation today that doesn't, a culture today that that really has a hard time understanding to press in and press through and work it out because we run from everything. If it gets too hard, well, let's just stop. Let's just run away from that because I don't want to deal with it. I'd rather just either sweep it under the rug or run away from it. And God wants us to learn how to work things out. You know, and it's easy to believe the lie of the enemy thinking you don't have, you don't fit in or that you're not good enough because you really have to choose and learn how to silence that voice. You have to be confident in who God says that you are. Just like that song says, in my father's house, there is a place for you. I am a child of God. And these can all sound like legitimate reasons to keep your distance. And you may be thinking, it's safer to stay right where I'm at because I'm in control in this place. But what you might be missing out on, there's a lot that you could be missing out on. When you, but if you just come just as you are, what's going to happen? What could happen if you just came just as you are? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to become a part of something much bigger than you are. You're going to see that there's a place for you and that there are things that you bring to the table that no one else can do quite like you can do. That's how the body of Christ is made. No one can be me like I can be me. No one can be you like you can be you. You, No one can do you like you can do you. You're one of a kind. You're meant to be connected with the body and accomplish great things for the body of Christ. And I'm going to show you this in scripture. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Okay, so that's really crazy. So if, if, um, if the hand says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Isn't that crazy? Or if the ear says to the foot, well, I'm not a part of the body. That's crazy. It takes all of us. Each one of our parts are very significant and very important. The ear can't say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong. Um, Going on in verse 18, it says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? So if I was standing here talking and I just had one big eyeball, that would look really weird. That would be really strange. You know, so each one of us 
has a very important part. You may be an eyeball. You may be a toe. You may be a hand. You may be a foot. You may be an elbow. I don't know, but you have, you all have a part. We can't stand, we can't say to the hand, if we're, we are the foot, I don't need you because we all need to be a part of the body. In fact, this is funny because this movie was on last night for just a minute and I'd already written this and it, there's a line in there that says, you complete me. <laughs> because actually, you do complete me. You really do. You complete me. I complete you when we're all together. We form the body of Christ and it's a beautiful picture. In uh, going on in verse 25, it says this. So there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So let's take a second and listen to that. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So the hand should have equal concern for the foot. The eye should have equal concern for the hand. We should all have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. So when when you suffer, I suffer. When you suffer, I suffer. When I suffer, you suffer. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So when you're honored, I'm going to rejoice with you. Every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. It's not saying, do you want to be a part of the body of Christ? It's saying you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of the body, a part of it. So that's the scripture that kind of formulates and tells us this is how this works. And you're going to find that you're more valuable and your part is more important than you ever dreamed it could be. You're going to be able to impart things into others and you'll, and you'll be able to help make room for those who are still yet to come. You're going to find and develop some of the deepest friendships you're ever going to have and they're going to be godly friendships. In fact, this past week, we got to go watch Braxton play at the playoff game in Lubbock, and our friends Flint and Kathy went with us, and we had so much fun driving in the car, chit-chatting about life, and really encouraging each other in our relationship with God and in our marriage and all that, and we had a great time just spending time together. When you get into the body, you make really great friends. And you can share your life with each other in the good times, having fun and laughing at the table, and then... When you're going through something challenging, you have somebody to share your tears with and get some help and get some encouragement from. And and just know that keeping everything at the center, Jesus at the center, is what it's all about. You're going to be able to help others know that they have a seat at the table and that they too belong. And even if they don't feel like it yet, you're going to help them feel like they're a part of the family. So... We want you to know we have made room for you at the table. We're going to continue to make room for you at the table. We say you're welcome to come sit with us, to come grow with us in your relationship with God, and to know God at a deeper level than you've ever known him. To know that this is a safe place to find freedom in your life from areas you've struggled with for years. And to discover your purpose, knowing that when God created you, you were not a mistake. You were made on purpose. And he really does have a very specific purpose and plan for your life. And he wants to see you become everything he's designed you to become. You're going to make a a difference in the lives 
of those that God places around you. I want to end by just asking a few questions, and I want you to just really think about this and contemplate on what it is that maybe is going on in your heart this morning. Who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you that you'll never make it? Who told you that your dreams would never come true? Who told you that you're a failure? Who told you that you don't matter? Who told you that your life has no value? And who told you you don't belong? I'm going to tell you who told you that. It was the devil himself. Through your thoughts, through words spoken, people speaking into your life that brought accusations over you. And today I want to tell you it's time to silence the voice of the enemy. You are strong, you are beautiful, you are handsome, you matter, you are valuable, you belong. You have a God-given purpose and a destiny, so live your life on purpose because you matter. You matter to God and you belong at the table.